Hello and welcome to the CEO Blind Spot Show, where leaders lead leaders. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Jack Chang, who is the founder and managing director at DGP Capital, a boutique investment bank whose partners have participated in over $7 billion of investment banking transactions. Welcome to the show, Jack. Thanks, Birgit. Happy to be on. Yeah, well, I'm so glad that our mutual friend, John Leinberger, introduced us and that you decided to add him to your team because one of your successes is you combine your financial expertise with operational expertise. But when I looked at your background, I wonder if part of your success is also because you came from an entrepreneurial background. I know your parents were entrepreneurs and then also happen to know you have a Six Sigma background and you've worked you know, on some pretty big transactions with big companies. And so you tell me, what do you think are some of the reasons you've succeeded? I think one of the biggest reasons why I've managed to, to do fairly well, or, or at least okay, <laughs> within the investment banking space is simply put, you know, the philosophy of solving problems, number one. Every single transaction is unique and complex in its own space. People have this misconception that the smaller companies, and by smaller we're, we're discussing companies with revenues between 20 to, you know, under 250 million in top line revenue mm-hmm. tend to be somewhat uncomplicated, easy to deal with, et cetera. But that couldn't be further from the truth. The reason why is these are all very closely held family businesses, many of which there are blurring of the lines, if you will, of personal assets and business assets. There are things that you could do in an escort at a privately held company that you can't do with an institutionally held business or with a public company, right? And that tends to lead to some structural complications in the transaction. Now, when we approach a transaction, we always think about, as I mentioned, in terms of problem solving, whether or not it's helping a business owner think about, well, what is my valuation if I have a complicated business structure with multiple entities? What's going to give me the nice intersection between a fair and appropriate valuation given market circumstances, in addition to making sure that my employees, which essentially are my family, because most of them have really helped me as a business owner grow my business to where it's at, and I treat them as family. How do I know that they're going to be taken care of post-transaction? Those are all just a handful of the myriad of issues that a business owner has to solve when they go into a transaction. That's why we do what we do. We we take our experiences not from just a bulge bracket investment bank, such as myself, having come from UBS's energy investment team, where obviously worked on on fairly large transactions in the the billion dollar plus range, but taking the operational expertise, having come from a P&L at one of GE Ventures' portfolio companies, as well as being from corporate development as part the Tyco Pinter team way before my UBS days. We take that functional expertise as well, and we adopt it into every approach that we have with our clients. And I think our mix of backgrounds from being both technical, operational, and clearly finance, it all blends together to offer our clients a very cohesive package when it comes to solving the ultimate problem. How do I exit gracefully as a business owner? Yeah. And it explains why you chose the name DGP, right? Dynamic Growth Partners, because you sounds like one of your best practices is you do 
partner up, whether it be with your clients or even your your internal people. I know That's from right. John that you know you partner up with him really well too, and in, in helping everybody succeed. But one of the things that you mentioned to me that I thought was pretty interesting too is you provide well you didn't say quite like this but you provide big bank bucks and experience for entrepreneurs you know or smaller companies who the banks normally will not lend money to and and, or can't help and you figure out how to solve that problem and you're flexible which you don't find very often and i know you've just mentioned some examples of how you help them sell but you also help companies acquire other companies correct providing financing again that they may not ever have the chance to get with traditional banks so this flexibility that you have or this this problem solving ability that you have in in many ways how does that translate into your ability to lead effectively you know that, that's an excellent point very good and in terms of flexibility those all require the same flexibilities in which how I tend to run our, our business, right? We're very hands-on as a business. There's no silos within our organization. We keep our mm-hmm. flat shop. We don't have a multitude of hierarchy. In some ways, some of the senior bankers that, that you know we speak to that want to join our team, they, they kind of shy away from that. These are mm-hmm. used to not getting into the weeds. But I like to think that being in the weeds with our analysts and associates and our execution staff helps all of us, even at the managing director level or executive director level, really understand the nuances of the problem. And that understanding and that flexibility to roll up your sleeves and do the hard work, do the things that other banks won't want to do because they're just too busy or too high up, et cetera. That level of flexibility is what I think really translates to success at the end of the day. And are you just really gifted at knowing how to hire the right people that match that ability to be <laughs> flexible? Or I wish it were that simple, Virgil. <laughs> I think I'm 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 simply just lucky. And by the way, this this firm has been around for about six years, and we've grown pretty well in that amount of time. But you know, we've we've had to hire slowly um, and carefully. And I would say that the folks that have come in have always, you know, seen eye to eye with me and anyone else on the team in terms of how we approach clients. And that's really about problem solving. It's not about maximizing fees. It's not about hey, well, this is in our best interest. It's about figuring out what's in the client's best interest. Can we solve that problem? Do we have the capability to solve that problem? And within that envelope, you have a solution. If you don't think about you know, your client's issues in that way, it's probably not a good fit. So I wouldn't say that I'm particularly skilled at having people that would fit that mold. It's just, it happened to be that way from just luck of anything else. And it took time to really understand what it was that, that really made us different. But to, to round it out in terms of finding the right people, the first step is to really understand what you know you yourself and maybe the rest of the team is lacking in terms of capability because everyone's going to lack something right at some mm-hmm. point in time. Mm-hmm. And it's really admitting that and filling that hole, and we see that actually in, in terms of our most successful clients that have had the best exits. And so it's not so much what I see around our team so much as I see around so many clients that have run successful businesses. It tends to be a common thread is admitting mm-hmm. what you don't know. So it sounds to me you learn from your clients. You do. (laughs) um, Yeah, which is the best way to do it, right? Um, You know, our clients are really, you know, some of the best entrepreneurs we know. They've done some amazing things for their employees. Uh, They've done some amazing things with their business. 
and it translates into the valuations that we see and we're able to achieve. And it's a two-way street, right? They have to provide a business based on their own capabilities and their own business that is marketable. And we have to get them to market. And we have to position a way that maximizes valuation as well as maximizes overall post-transaction content with the business owners as well as their management team. And so to wrap it up regarding our, our team internally and, and leading the team, the most salient point that's come across in, in running our business is that you have to lead by example. And mm-hmm. in addition to just admitting what you don't know, you have to lead by example. If you're not willing to go roll up your sleeves as a managing director or the head of the shop and, and do it yourself, why are you asking other people to do it? You know, unless you walk a mile in someone's shoes, it's hard to understand the difficulty of what you're asking them to do. I and mean, that's that's something that we, we kind of subscribe to at this firm and, and myself personally certainly do. Yeah. And my experience is you show flexibility in many areas, including, you know, you were willing to meet me out in the woodlands and uh, oh, it's <laughs> you no know, problem at all and uh, yeah but you're you're flexible and and open and but my experience of you is you're also humble and you walk your talk so then of course I'm wondering did you ever struggle as a leader oh absolutely you know I think as, as someone that comes from a very highly technical background and even though I've I've run PL before in my life I've never run mm-hmm. my own PL where I didn't have someone looking over my shoulder. And that's, I think, where I struggled. I didn't have anyone looking over my shoulder. I didn't have anyone overlooking me and holding me accountable. And so I'd put things on the back burner that are really, truly important. Yet I just looked at it as, oh, that's just, that's just admin stuff, right? I don't have to worry about it today. It's actually pretty dang important. They're actually very important for your team because sometimes they're depending on you for an answer to a simple question. They're looking for a very prescribed way how to handle certain situations with clients or just even having, you know, a, a very concise dashboard on how to operate. It took me time to, to understand that and to really formally adopt certain policies in writing. Uh, that was, I think, kind of eye-opening things about being an entrepreneur and starting my own shop is that, you know, you took yeah. it for granted when you work for a large corporation or a large budget bank that uh, there's a compliance policy already there. You don't have to worry about it. You just kind of follow, follow the, the rules. Not so much in your own shop. You've got to figure all that out. And there's a lot of a huge learning curve. Uh, you just take for granted that that framework that was there with larger organizations. Yeah. And you, you basically have to scale it the right way. Yeah. What was the aha moment when you knew that you had to do something different for the employees? You know, I think the aha moment for me was really when I looked at performance overall on on certain employees and in terms of, well, they weren't getting things across the finish line or I wasn't getting the output that I expected. You know, I took a step back and realized, you know what, the reason why I'm not getting output I expected is because I didn't give them an idea of what that output was supposed to look like. I didn't mm-hmm. point to direction. I said, okay, go do it. <laughs> yes. And that's not fair, right? You, mm-hmm. you didn't saw, you didn't put a sign in the fork of the road. You didn't put up even lighting you just said go. And I think as a new um, business mm-hmm. owner, as a, as a, that's starting out your new shop, regardless of whether or not professional services, if you're opening a manufacturing firm, it's hard to remember that, you know, there are a lot of administrative avenues of leadership that people take for granted. Mm-hmm. Your employees and those around, you can't read your mind. You have to be pretty concise and you have to be to the point. You do have to give them some type of guidance and a direction. And it's not just about a a simple task. It's everything has to have some sort of a unifying message. 
And it took me a, a, a long time to struggle around that and uh, you know, realize that it, I didn't have that. And I had to do that because, you know, people were kind of running blind. Uh, at the end of the day, if there's not really a guidepost or lighting to show the way, you kind of fail people in that way. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm so grateful you're sharing that because I bet a lot of entrepreneurs can relate. So then as we start to wrap up the show, to your point earlier, you've been an entrepreneur yourself for the last six years and face some crisis yourself. Do you have a tip that you can share for other business owners on how they can make it through crisis and perhaps even, you know, what happened to your parents when they weren't prepared for for the exit? Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing to prepare for a crisis is to be able to take a step back and ask for help. Mm. And help can mean many different things. It can be talking to someone for advice. It could be asking them for their experience in a similar situation. Being part of you know groups, it's really helpful. Most of the businesses I've, I've dealt with have done really well. They had that type of advice environment. And many of them had multiple crises throughout the lifespan of their companies, ours included. Mm-hmm. But I would say that level of advice, that sounding board, that ability to kind of mentally diffuse through bringing in trusted people to to give you that sounding board is, is super crucial because sometimes your business is so personal to you that you lose sight of that and it's hard to think objectively, right? It's easy yeah. to think for someone else because you're not personally involved when it's someone else's business, but it's very difficult when it's your own. It's your life savings. It's everything built into it. It's hard yeah. to mentally decompress and emotionally decompress from that. Yeah. I'll give you another example, Birgit. Um, you know, when my parents, uh, when I was growing up, my parents owned a couple of small businesses, nothing, nothing crazy, main street businesses. And when it was time to exit or retire, I still remember I was, I was fairly young at the point. Um, but I still remember one thing in that when they were looking for help to sell their business, they really didn't know who to go to, right? They didn't know who to ask for help and they didn't know whether or not it was a good fit for them, the agency they signed up for. And a lot of times they were doing a lot of the work marketing their own business, right? And I, mm-hmm. even at a young age, I think I was maybe 12 or so at the time, I still remember that I think to myself, you know, this seems perverse. They have no one to ask help from, and they're doing a lot of the work and still paying a hefty chunk of their proceeds to someone that's not really present. And that inspired me, I think, after I came out of, you know, undergrad and worked in M&A, went back to B-School and investment banking. It finally came full circle and realized, you know what, I'd rather serve a market that's heavily underserved. There's people out there, they, they don't know who to ask. They don't know how to get the same level of service quality that the bigger groups need and get. And so that's, that's kind of why, um, you know, coming full circle, I, I see a little bit of my parents and every single entrepreneur, and sometimes they feel lost. They can't really admit to anyone. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that, those are situations that bring me more joys um, when we're able to help them become unlost and, and help guide the way in, in some way, shape, or form. And give them uh, flexibility and options. <laughs> that's right. So if the... And service quality. Exactly. So if people want to know more about your company, they can go to dgpcapital.com. I'll put that in the description. But I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and your willingness to help people and think outside the box and to make it a win-win for everybody. So thank you for leading the way you do and best wishes to you and your team. Thanks, Birgit. Appreciate it.